Well, good evening and welcome to the Writers Guild of Alberta online reading series. Tonight we're in Calgary and in the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge that we live, work and play on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsitsina, the Stony Lakota Nation, the Métis Nation and all people who make their home in Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. My name is Susan Calder and tonight I'm thrilled to be hosting this event with author N.L. Blanford. She will do two readings from her new novel and answer questions about her book and her writing. I invite those of you who are listening to this live presentation to ask any questions you want on chat. Now, N.L. Blanford has entered the literary world with her debut novel, The Perilous Road to Her. Her poetry was first published when she was 13, and recently her Drabble, titled Love of a Lifetime, won the Arlene Duane Hemingway Unconditional Love Drabble Challenge. She resides in Calgary, Alberta, where she has built a life of dream exploration with her husband, mild-mannered dog Watson, and stubborn but lovable cat, Sebastian. Well, thank you, and great to meet you in person, Natasha. So after that bio, I really have to ask, what is a drabble? A drabble is a 100 word story. No, not 99, not 101, exactly 100 words. And in fact, when I first heard about a drabble, I had the same question as you. But then one of my writing teachers said, you should, you should try this new writing technique. It'll help you condense your words down. And well, I did. I think so. Like it would be a good writing challenge to get that precise words and look at each the importance of each words. Yeah. So what prompted you then to move from 100 word stories to what? 50,000? Bit of a jump, right? 86,888 words. Right. It's, 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 yes, it's, it's quite a leap, right? And, uh, so what made you decide you wanted to move from traveling to noveling? Well, I always had the desire to write a book for as long as I can remember. And I decided, well, if I can write a hundred words, what thousands of words. <laughs> so I just decided to do it. Okay. And what gave what what started the idea in your head of what novel that you would write? How did was there anything that formed the first thought of doing one of what you would write? The first one I attempted was a western, so completely different okay. than the thriller that is the perilous road to her. I got more than 70,000 words written, but I couldn't figure out how to end it. So <laughs> I walked away and then I got engrossed in the, the world of Olivia and human trafficking and sisters and sisterly love. And I was so excited that I completely forgot about the Western and I focused on this. I think almost every author has at least one novel like that. Your practice novel, right? That you, yeah. That you worked on. Well, we want to hear more about that because there's lots of themes and lots of things going on in your book. But I thought this could be a good time now. Maybe you could read a, an excerpt or a chapter from the book for us to give us a taste of it. Sure. Okay. The first one I'm going to read is chapter five. So at this point, Olivia is the main character and she had gotten a call from her older sister, Claire, desperate for money. Claire's addicted to drugs. And it's been a month since they had a little confrontation and she realized she hasn't seen or heard from her sister 
And now after a conversation with Claire's boyfriend, she's a little concerned at where Claire is. So this is chapter five. The moment I got back to my car, I called Joe. I relayed what Troy had told me about Alex Strauss and told him to meet me at Strauss's house. It was 10 p.m. by the time I reached the house and I had to restrain myself from going in before Joe showed up. Thankfully, he wasn't too long behind me. We stood on the walkway, looking at the house, both of us in our after-work sweatpants and old sweater ensembles. I saw Mrs. Norris watching us through the curtains in a front window, and I waved. Troy really said Strauss's name, Joe asked. Yep, described him right down to the scar under the left eye. And Claire knew him. It appears so. I pray she wasn't somehow involved in his death. And if she was, I nervously fixed my ponytail. I can't think about that right now. I just need to find her. No matter what happened, she cannot be in a good place right now. We broke the crime scene seal that was still on the front door and walked inside. We went room to room, trying to find something that could point to Claire having been here. We had originally identified there had been a struggle in the living room, which spilled into the kitchen where Mr. Strauss's body was found. The rest of the house had looked to have been untouched, therefore Joe and I had only done a cursory look and let the scenes of crime officers do a detailed review of the property. But now I was desperate for anything that would give me a starting point on where I could find Claire. As we were going through the master bedroom, Joe called, me to, called to me from the ensuite. He was standing in the middle of a large, newly renovated shower. It was quite curious, given the state of the rest of the house. Couldn't wait until you got home to clean up, I joked, and Joe smiled. Didn't your sister use some fancy shampoo? You always complained about how the bottle costs the same amount as your monthly car payment? Yeah, it costs something like $150 for a bottle. I never understood how someone could spend so much on shampoo. Why? I'd made my way towards him and joined him in the shower. If Sally could see us, he joked. Here, and he handed me the, a small black bottle of Orb Gold Lust Repair and Restore Shampoo and continued. What are the odds Mr. Strauss used the same shampoo Claire did? Small. I opened the bottle and the scent made it feel as if Claire was standing beside me. I put the bottle in the kangaroo pocket of my sweater. I'm sure there aren't a lot of places that sell it. If Claire was here and Strauss was buying her expensive shampoo, maybe it wasn't against her will. As we exited the shower, I noticed something tucked behind the medicine cabinet on the wall. I gently and slowly pulled out a small piece of paper. I opened it and gasped. It was Claire's handwriting. What is it? asked Joe. It's a note from Claire. And I read it out. Oh, if you find this, I couldn't fix things. Alex said he would get he would help me get better, get back to who who I was. But I heard him on the phone talking to someone about me, about sending me away for work to work. I know Alec works some girls on the side, so I'm scared that's what he meant. I tried to get away, but when I said I was going to visit you, he locked me in the bedroom and boarded up the window. He said you would only make my problems worse, and that tomorrow I would start new. I don't know what is going to happen to me. I'm so scared, oh. I don't know why I think you will find this, but if you do, please help me. I will do anything you want. Go to rehab, move away, 
Maybe we'll finally get a house on a beach somewhere. Please just come get me. Love, C. Silence filled the room after my last word. Tears started to slowly run down my cheeks. She was here. Joe hugged me and then pulled out his phone. I will call the techs and get them to comb this place again. Maybe there is something else that was missed. I will get them to bag everything. Joe reached into the kangaroo pouch of my sweater, pulled out the shampoo, and put it on the counter. He went into the living room to make the call. I sat on the toilet, staring at the handwriting, and asked the universe, Claire, where are you? What have you gotten yourself into? Joe walked back into the ensuite. They will be here tomorrow. They are just finishing a multiple homicide where all hands are on deck. Tomorrow? Joe, you know the longer we wait, the less chance we have of finding her. It's already been a month. I could no longer control the tears and started to shake as years of pent-up anger and hurt poured out. Joe pulled me off the toilet, held me in his arms, and kissed the top of my head. I know. And you know the superintendent will never sign off moving the team here tonight after the scene has been sitting for a month, especially when he finds out your sister could be involved. He wouldn't want to be showing favoritism. I shrugged my shoulders as I continued to soak Joe's sweater with my tears. Come on. Let's get you home. It's been a long day and you need rest. Will you be okay alone or do you want to stay with us tonight? I'll be fine. I straightened myself out and put Claire's note in my pocket. I know what your fine means, but just try and get a little bit of rest. We can go over everything again tomorrow. He looked me in the eyes. Liv, we will find her. Thank you. I really love how you, you draw people into the story with, with the personal story of this woman's quest for her, what's happening with her sister. And, and we, can, we can really feel that she really cares, cares about her sister. You have a sister too, do you? <laughs> what does she think of, the, <laughs> the, of, of this? Well, she loved the book and she's raving about it. But I, okay, I, great. And she's watching right now, so this will yeah. be a little embarrassing, but I yes. may have made her cry with the dedication. Because uh, I do love my sister and yeah. I would go anywhere in the world to find her should I need to which hopefully I don't ever need to but yeah well, I think that comes across in the book and, and I think it's a great way to draw people into this this material this dark material with the, with that personal story of the, of her and and Olivia is, is actually a police woman too so she has the, the skills and the and the and some involvement in in the case too so she becomes she's a very realistic person to be searching for this and and you mentioned it, even in this chapter there's a little hint of the human trafficking issue which is really a big issue that the book deals with and even in the forward to the book i think you call it a letter to readers you you give people a heads up that it's going to be dealing with this 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 heavy subject so firstly i thought i would ask if you could explain what human traffic is just in trafficking is just for any readers, anybody listening who might not know exactly what it was, because it's something we hear about, but maybe we don't even really know exactly what it means. Yes. And even from some of my learning, I've learned a bunch of new things about human trafficking. But one of the things people often mistaken is that people are moved or it occurs somewhere else. So one of the biggest myths, and I do address it in my letter to the reader, is that people get kidnapped and then put traffic somewhere or moved out of the country. But most often than not, it can be a family member or a boyfriend or people are groomed into trusting someone who then gets them to do sexual favors for money. 
and it happens right here in Calgary and in Canada. I actually attended a conference recently where the corridor, not surprising, is a Trans-Canada Highway, but between Quebec, Ontario, and Calgary, they're the main hubs of the human trafficking in Canada, and then of course in Vancouver, but those three cities are, are the big ones. So that's been a learning for me, and I think a learning for everyone is because everyone's like, oh, it happens in like Europe or Africa or wherever. It doesn't happen here. Mm -hmm. And it's really, that's really scary, like just thinking about that, because that's what I would have thought, what I thought too. Like I've seen stories in Europe and it seems women from Eastern Europe or Africa are brought in. Like that's my concept of it before reading your book, that it, that it would be that. But to think of it happening here, and, and, you know, somebody being just groomed, like you say, on a, on a personal level, that's really frightening. And uh, what did, was there anything particularly that got you interested in the subject, just apart from the fact that it, it, it struck you as important? Was there something that kind of triggered your interest? If, I don't if remember. You want to ask, answer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember exactly where it started, but I did hear a woman speak at a fraud conference for my work about her experience being trafficked in Canada. And I actually read her book. It's going to be weird to promote another book when I'm trying to promote my own, but it's called Out of the Shadows by mm -hmm. Tamiya Nagy. So she is um, from Budapest and she answered a babysitting ad or she was told she was going to be a babysitter in Canada. She wasn't a babysitter in Canada. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's kind of what gave me the confidence to explore it more. And then it took me a few more years, but I eventually got the confidence to actually write it. Yes. Well, that, that actually answers one of my, my other question too, is the research that you did. So reading this book would be one thing. Uh, is, was there anything else in particular, you know, that you could, yeah, could there, actually you list sources, I think in the book too. And, uh, at the end. Yes, I did yes. put a bunch of resources yeah. at the back, uh, but there's another lady, Rebecca Bender, out of the United States. Both Tamea and Rebecca have an organization that supports survivors and mm -hmm. get them resituated with life. So I took her course online. Not in my city here in Calgary has some great information about human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And I'm still attending conferences, even this week, <laughs> yes. online, that I'm trying to learn more about it. There's a yeah, lot I'm, of information. I'm, I'm sure there's like an endless amount to, to learn. Well, I noticed on your website, you say that a percentage of the net proceeds of each book goes toward, how is it, to, to ch some charity that uh, supports awareness of human trafficking or uh, victims. And uh, I just wanted to mention that to people. It's very generous of you to, uh, to, to do that. Oh, thank you. Well, writing's a passion. And if I can help other people and bring awareness to the issue, that's my goal. Yeah, so perhaps the writing and the, and the issue drive you as well. I think this would be a good time maybe for the second reading, which might have to do a bit with this, uh, this issue. Okay, so this one is chapter 13. And so the back of my book does not leave anything out. Olivia ends up getting kidnapped as well. <laughs> and this is right after she has met Adam, who runs the lower level house. So in the book I have, there's different levels of trafficking. There's like really run down house and there's other levels. And this is her at the first house right after um, 
she has been raped actually. So. My mind was drawn back to reality at the sound of Adam's belt being buckled up and Smith releasing my wrists. I don't know how long my mind locked itself down, but I was thankful it did. Given Smith was the one who would let who let go of my wrists, I was confident my body was only used by one of them. I also gathered Adam enjoyed displaying his dominance in front of others and would want Smith to witness his power. Get off the desk, Adam said triumphantly. I pushed myself up and felt, felt wet, sticky semen dripping down my leg. I pulled up my underwear as I turned around. Showing no emotion, I looked Adam in the eye. I wasn't going to let him think he had broken me. This is your place in the world. Nothing but a body to be used as I see fit. He looked to Smith. Go get the general. Smith left the room, being sure to close the door behind him. I continued to watch Adam. You think you are tough now, but just wait. He lit a cigarette. The general will teach you a lesson or two, and I might have to teach you a few more myself. He took a long drag and blew the smoke into my face. I didn't react, but said confidently, do with me what you will, but you will not win. And I spit in his face. The rage radiated off of him with my act of defiance. He didn't wait for Smith to come back, but punched me in the face himself. I didn't cower, but stood my ground. You little bitch. With the cigarette between his lips, he continued to beat me, and I continued to get up. The anger was growing more ferocious inside of him, and his eyes said he was ready to kill me. The general opened the door and quickly took in what hap was happening. She motioned for Smith to remove Adam, which he obediently did. She walked over to me, giving me the once-over where I stood. While Adam fought to release himself from Smith's grip, I became confused about who actually ran this place. Adam or the general? The general grabbed my clothes, thrust them at me, and dragged me out of the room. She closed the door behind her and then slapped me hard across my already battered face. You stupid girl! You don't, you do not want to be his enemy. Doubt you are coming back from this. And look at you. You won't be able to make him money like this, which will make him angrier. You will be lucky to last a week here. Let's go. Once again, she yanked my arm and led me upstairs. Every inch of me hurt, and I could feel the bruises forming. It was hard to move anything, but I held my head high as I walked. I could hear Adam yelling at someone about me, presumably Smith. The women watched me walk by, clutching my clothes to shield my nakedness, and some looked at me in astonishment. Others looked at me with eyes of sadness, afraid of what would become of me. I was locked back up in the room where I started. The same women passed out on their mattresses. The woman who cleaned me up was squatted on her mattress, back against the wall. They sure did a number on you. Thought I would hear you screaming down there, but not a peep. Good for you. She graciously helped me back into my clothes and invited me to sit with her. I sat down and she laid me down on her lap. She took out my ponytail, running her fingers through my disheveled hair. She whispered, I hope you got your defiance out of your system. If you want to try and find your sister, you need to follow the rules. By doing that, you survive. By doing that, you might get out of here. I stared forward above the bodies across from us. I know there are no names here, but what do I call you? She hesitated and then said, you can call me Tess. Okay, Tess, I am Olivia. Well, Olivia, a bit of advice. Act defeated, even if you aren't. Don't be a hero, just let him think he won. Then maybe he will leave you alone. 
The bald man, Smith. Where is he from? He spoke another language when he made a call, but I couldn't place it. He's Swedish, I think. The general regularly comments that he would be more useful building cheap furniture. Now get some rest. I suspect Adam will be back soon for another round with you. Why are you helping me? Honestly, I don't know. I usually leave the newbies to their own devices, but something told me I should help you. This may sound corny, but I feel like you were meant for more. It was corny, but I didn't care. I was exhausted, and I closed my eyes and thought of Claire. For laughing at a joke no one else found funny. A quirky smile when she solved a particularly difficult problem. Where was she? Was she also lying on a mattress covered in bodily fluid somewhere? Or did she get out? Thank you. That's really chilling. And you, you, you give us the hard details, which you really need to for this, this kind of story. This is like, this is Olivia's story. She's, she tells the whole sto story to us and she's a, a policewoman, as I mentioned before. How did you come up with her character? I love these questions. How do you go? I don't I know. know. No, no, no. I, right? <laughs> I knew Olivia and Claire's name and I knew Adam and then we haven't met William, but he comes along later. I knew that. Oh, yeah. And I also figured it would be easier for someone to investigate their missing sister if they were a police officer. Exactly. So that's that's all there was to it. Yeah. So you just thought of the names came to you before the personalities, would you say? Or? I think so. Yeah. And I knew okay. the girl, the girls, the women were in their 30s. Uh -huh. Otherwise, and one was rich and had a falling from grace. Yeah. The other one was the younger sister who had always looked up to her older sister, but uh -huh. otherwise their personalities came out when I started taking it. Yeah. So was your process to, to just write it or did you outline it or, or what was your process of writing the story? I mostly just wrote it. I think I had about six pages in a little tiny like moleskin notebook mm -hmm. that had the fact that there would be different layers, like different houses that mm -hmm. women would be kept yeah. in. And that it was in Toronto and LA and that Adam was a particularly nasty person and uh -huh. that William was nasty, but you kind of love to hate him and hate to love him. Uh -huh. But that was about it. Okay. So you started with those, those kind of concepts of the characters and the situations, and then you just start to write and yeah. see where it goes. Is that, would you say that kind of sums it up? Yep. And yeah. I usually write in order and then whatever yeah. happens, happens happens and so when you have the end of that so you write right to the end of the first draft you don't you don't go back and correct as you go along so what do you end up with so what, what do you do then when you finish the first draft then i will usually i'll go back on the computer and then i'll go through it again and just kind of make sure my ideas made sense mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't have yeah. a random sentence in there that's like what was i talking about yeah and then i will print it all off and do the deep dive edit and put sticky notes everywhere and write in margins and uh -huh. read it out loud and make sure it sounds like it makes it sounds good and yeah just go over it do you have other readers or editors to uh to look at it i did yes so yeah. and i'm particularly um what is the word? i'm very particular so i will read it and edit it about four times yes <laughs> before i even let anybody see it and especially with this first one, I was so nervous given the topic and the fact that it's my first novel that I went through it a few times. I gave it to my editor. She read it and then I gave it to the beta readers and okay. then I went back. 
Yeah. I kind of did it backwards. I don't yeah. Know. Well, no, I think that's very, very, it's pretty normal, I think, to, to get your, all your input in at first and then, then uh, other Peter. So, so this was your, this, I guess this was the first novel you finished, right? You found the ending. Yeah. Uh, so what's, was there anything like surprised you about writing a full novel like that? One, I didn't know how it was going to end until. You didn't, no? Even I think after my editor looked at the first time, I had two different endings. I was like, oh, I think I'm going to end it this way. And also how much I like to kill off characters. <laughs> <laughs> I would run downstairs, honey, I just killed off my first character. Oh, honey, I just killed off somebody else. Oh, it's so you funny. kill off the ones you don't like or just, just ones that deserve to be killed? Or, or I'm not going to give just away happens. any secrets. Uh-huh. Yeah. People have to read to find out. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, this isn't at all a spoiler, but I really feel the ending almost, it's it's so intense. It's such a twist. There's a, like a little twist right at the end that just begs you to read the next book. So uh, that's that's what I felt anyway, for sure. But yeah, I, I definitely got a lot of texts. Oh my gosh, that ending, yeah. what? <laughs> but we won't, we won't give it any spoilers. And I am working on the second one. You are, oh, okay, that, that's great, yeah. So the second one will, is, it will follow, well, if you actually read the ending, you get a little sense of how the second one might start, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. It'll yeah. still be in Olivia's world. <laughs> yeah, and all told by Olivia again in the same way, but uh, you know, she'll be doing other, dealing with other things then, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's good. So how far are you on the way in the story? I am done the first draft and just making my way through my first round of edits. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so when do you think, when do you expect that one will be published? I don't know because yeah. I do have a full-time job. Um, yes. So I have to, I have to see. Hopefully, I wouldn't see why it couldn't come out next year. I just, um, it took me four years to write the first one and two months to yeah. write the second one. So I, yeah. I'm a little skeptical. Of <laughs> and then I put down. Yeah. And then the full time job. So are you a fraud investigator? I saw on either your website or net LinkedIn or something. You're a fraud investigator. So do you see using that in stories? Potentially, I think I've been asked this once. Like, you should, because I investigate fraud at a bank, they're like, you should write a book about the perfect heist. And yeah. I was like, and then I'd go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> but there, it has definitely helped me in understanding potential motivations behind why people might do things mm -hmm. and different aspects of seeing a person rather than, oh, they're just a criminal. They, well, but maybe there was extenuating circumstances. Or something so yeah we'll so see if i we'll see if i do some financial fraud writing in the future you could you know there's there must be ways to get it in even a subplot or uh, yeah or just do a heist but it's not a bank yeah yeah who knows maybe that's olivia's next step right now <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> but um, yeah so anyway you've got that there and as you said you feel it just help it helps you with understanding characters and things and uh, yeah that, that sounds that sounds really good um, well, uh, so, so, um, I guess we could back, well, one little question I'd like to ask out of the blue. So you publish under the name NL Brantford. Is there a reason you, because that, you have your name, Natasha Bax, right? Yeah. So is there, <laughs> so is there a reason you published under, uh, that, that name? 
originally it was to keep my two legs live separate. Okay. And I wasn't sure how being an author would affect my professional life or any of that. And then just it's just happened that they've kind of commingled and I get tagged as Natasha Bax on Facebook instead of NL Blanford. I'm like, wow, the world knows who yeah. I am. But it's it's actually I don't know. I I also like the way it sounds. <laughs> Not that I don't like my name. I love my name. But uh-huh. NL Blanford as a thriller writer just it sounds uh-huh. gives it oof, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. So when when was your book published? How, how, when did it come out? In May. In May. So that's that's pretty that's a couple of months ago. So what's it been like with having a published book now, being a published author? What's what's happened? And uh... I'm super famous. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I it's been good. I the feedback has been a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and I've gotten to do these type of events. I've been on a few podcasts. There's a podcast called YYC Podcast that I mm-hmm. think people should check out. It's a pretty awesome new podcast in Calgary. And what else have I been doing? It's just, it's kind of surreal. It's still very, like, even though I'm holding the book in my hands, it doesn't mm-hmm. really feel real. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping this weekend when I go to Owl's Nest Books and see it on a shelf, <laughs> that I'll be like, oh my gosh, have my little epiphany moment. But being self-published, there's so many hats. So I get diverted from being an author to being a marketer to being a PR person to be that I don't know if I've actually really taken it in yet. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, the self-publishing is interesting. So what what did that involve doing without too much de- technical detail? Well, it involves not waiting to get an agent. Yeah. <laughs> so you- that was one of the things. I didn't try and query at all. You didn't do that, yeah. No, I wanted to do this as a bucket list item. Mm-hmm. And then I started researching, and I, was, and I attended, I, it was actually through um, the Writers Guild, where there was a talk with an agent, and they're like, well, it could take a few years, and then it can take another couple of years before a publisher will be ready, because, of course, they have schedules. And I was mm-hmm. like, I could be dead in a couple of years. I don't know what's happening, especially with COVID. I just, nope, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. So I just formatted it got somebody to do my cover, put it up on Amazon and Ingram Spark, and it was in the world. You make it sound sound simple. I would think doing the formatting and and, and all that, and then getting it into just, I guess, getting it into stores. Well, you get it into Owl's Nest anyway. So it's going to be there this weekend then. In the, uh... Yes, it's already up and ready to go. I'm just, I haven't been able to get there to, you know, go take the obligatory picture of, hey, mom, I'm in a book <laughs> That's right. Or look, Dad, you can look what your daughter did. Yeah. And and Owl's Nest will be having a book launch for you. I mean, you're going to be having a book launch through Owl's Nest, right? That's September 1st, I think? Or, yes, September 1st. will be a Zoom event? Yes, it will still be a Zoom event, and people can sign up on their website and register for that. And I'm still trying to play with formatting and seeing what we're going to do. I might poke some musical friends of mine to play some mm-hmm. music. We'll have some games and people can ask questions. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah, so make it fun, yeah. Well, I think Alice has gotten used to doing Zoom events over the, this past year, so that they're all ready for you. And, yeah. and anybody, and you'll be sending out your invitations to everybody and they'll come yeah. in and, uh, and, and, and attend there and feature it in the store and everything. So, uh, and then meanwhile, you it's there on Amazon and, and uh, 
Kobo in both print and ebook form too, right? Yeah, that's right. Was the ebook the ebook different formatting to do or? Yeah. No, not really. All I had to do, like I used Adobe InDesign, and you kind of just change the format that you're gonna export it in, and use another random program. I'm not gonna get into. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was relatively easy to be honest. Yeah. I watched a lot of YouTube. Oh, I know. Well, that, that's that's good because it seems like it would be technically interesting, difficult, you know. So choosing the cover, that's fun. Like, what? How did you get that cut? Get the cover done. Cool. So. This is a story. So this is the final cover, which I found this picture and I knew that I wanted something like it. And I have a local photographer friend and we tried our darndest to do it ourselves, but it, it just did not turn out. And so the first cover image, when I got it printed, it was pretty much all black and I may have cried, but that's okay. But then I found a lovely lady online who was able to make exactly what I wanted. Like in my head, this is exactly what I wanted. So it was very nice to learn. Like it was nice to try to do it myself, but I've learned that that is not my skill and I will happily pay somebody else to not have to do with that stars. But yeah, I definitely want it dark and kind of like, yeah. Like this is someone you're, you want to try to find. And it's, yeah. it's a very typical thriller, right? You have the you have the person yeah. walking away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it's worth it's worth paying the design a design person to, to to do the cover. I guess you learn you know you learn that. Do you have an idea for your second book's cover now, or, or is that coming? I do actually, and I yeah, it, we'll have to see if I can find the picture and see if the same lady can make it work. But I feel like there's going to be a house on a hill in the distance and a windy road or something. I'm not sure. I don't know what the title of the second book is yet, so I have to, I have to see. <laughs> oh, you don't know the title yet. Oh, okay. I'm bad at title names. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. The first the first book, did, did was the title hard to get, or did you, did that come to you? I always knew it would be The Road to Her, but then okay. there were a lot of books called The Road to Her, well, which okay. apparently is okay in Thriller now. I'm learning this, that everybody has the same title on their books, but yeah. I, didn't, I didn't like that. Yeah. So I had to find a word, and perilous seemed interesting. So okay, stuck it in there. <laughs> well, perilous certainly describe, describes it. It's not an not an easy journey, nope. not not by by any means. Uh, well, let's see. Maybe we'll just change the track a little bit. So when you were when you were a child, what kind of books did you like to read? Thrillers? <laughs> I don't know what thrillers were. Maybe stealing gum from the. Uh, the choose your own adventure novels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, what's gonna happen next? Yeah. No, not at all, actually. I really loved Anne of Green Gables. Oh, me too. Um, I love Anne. And I yeah. still read her every couple of years. And yeah. I didn't it's weird because I'm a big Harry Potter fan, but I didn't get into Harry Potter until way later, so I wouldn't classify that as an influence in my childhood. Yeah. But what else did I read? I know in high school, like I really enjoyed Aldous, Aldous Huxley and like Brave New World, okay, yeah. and that dystopian or George Orwell, 1984. Okay. And I would say my favorite book is Jack Finney's Time and Again, Time oh. Travel. So yep. I'm, I don't classify myself as like a sci-fi reader, but apparently that's yeah. yeah. But the idea of traveling back in time to the 1800s, mm -hmm. which kind of ties in to the world of Anne of Green Gables, like all of these, that time frame just fascinates me. 
Yeah. And and I guess maybe stretching time travel, you know, it's it's somebody who's out of place where they are, which you might say Olivia is somebody who's, <laughs> you know, she's thrust into this world that's totally, totally different because that would be what time travel stories would involve somebody who's dressed in a, in a totally new and different world. So perhaps they, those kind of things influence you. It's hard to say. And, uh, you know, it's not in the, in the science fiction and that, but uh, that, yeah. yeah. So, so what do we, oh, what would you say you would like, you enjoy best about writing? Then? Like, what, what do you like about it? I just like bringing characters to life, I think. And exploring how the characters will react to each other. And even with this second one, I'm gonna kind of delve into like the aftermath and maybe a little bit of an origin on why the bad guy might be the bad guy or things like that. So exploring deep diving into into the people and then just getting it out. Just get the words out of my head. <laughs> so it so that's an advantage you feel like of having a series that that, it, that you can delve more into this, the the uh, the ones in the next in the next book. Yeah, yeah, and well as well as bring in new new people perhaps too. I guess. Oh yes, there is a matriarch. People are gonna not particularly like. <laughs> yeah. Or at least I hope they don't. Otherwise, I haven't written her properly. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm sure they you know. And you picked, did you pick Toronto and Ca and California for particular reasons? I grew up in Toronto area, Scarborough, Oshawa area. And so I kind of knew that area and I thought readers might, again, people don't think human trafficking happens in Canada. So I thought if it's a bigger hub that people are like, oh yeah, that probably happens in Toronto. That's and then LA for sure. Yeah, rather than Calgary, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it it probably does. It does, but uh, it yeah, does, but maybe not as believable. That that uh, that Cal that Calgary would would start with it. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, is there anything else you'd like to to share about your book that you think we haven't covered yet? Oh my. Oh, I don't know. I think the only thing I would add is maybe I'll just reiterate. Um, Kind of the note I put in the front. So I guess people could describe it as a darker novel, and there are scenes of sexual and physical abuse. Mm -hmm. However, they are not overtly violent, or and I find that they're necessary in order to be truthful to the story of real victims. And I just want people to know that by no means do I take the subject of human trafficking lightly and I hope that through fiction that people be can become more aware of what is actually happening around us. But in the end I also just hope that people enjoy the story and get lost in the world and fall in love with characters and get angry when characters do things you don't want them to do or things like that. In the end I hope people just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Well that, that, that's great and, and I'm sure they will. And do you write any other kind of work too, or are you focused to think on the? I'm mostly focused on this, but sometimes poetry just pops into my head. I don't sit down to write poetry. It literally, I'll be lying in bed and I'll wake up and the words will come out, or I'll be sitting in a church pew and suddenly, whoo, 
They're the words. So, but I do have ideas for other genres to potentially explore in the future. Although I'm going to stick to thriller for now, but yeah, I do have some some other ideas. Uh, well, for I don't know if you want to share those, but I'm also wondering: is there going to be a third Olivia? There might be. So that's what I'm also working out: is how do I end the second book? Yeah, so I oh, could potentially do the third one. Like I have it written, and I think it will work. But that's where the feedback comes in, right? You give it to some readers. Do you think okay. this still follows the same train? Okay. Can I pull this off? <laughs> but I'm so, hoping. So depending on how you end it, will will make you feel whether you can jump off to uh, another another one. Yes, as okay. I have it right now, I think I can do it. Well, you probably can. People, you know, just a little comment of somebody's might just uh, set set it going. I could see that trilogy sounds good. Doesn't it? it always does, right? And and it then well, it sounds like you've got lots of work work ahead of you, and uh, you could, you know, keep your keep going for for a long time. Meanwhile, you have your day job too, which you're probably going to keep for a while, I guess. But uh, Eventually, when you when you retire, <laughs> I mean, when you sell tons of books, you can. Uh, you think you'd like to be a full time writer, or do you feel you like the balance? Of I would love being a full time writer, especially if I'm self published, because there's so much to do. But 15 more years until I can retire comfortably. So unless I somehow become an overnight success, yeah, uh, I will be working for a little while yet. Yeah, well, it sounds sounds great. Well, anyway, thank you for, for sharing all this. I, I feel I've learned a lot and uh, well, thank and you for having me. Nice meeting you. And I think we, and I hope that, that uh, I think readers have got a good taste of, of what your, your book is about and uh, will want to get interested in your characters and your issues, issues that you discuss and uh, everything. So good luck with the book and good luck with the book launch and uh, all the wild world of promotion. Yes, my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's different. different, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, and to the Writers Guild of Alberta, I appreciate this opportunity. So thank you. Okay, thank you. Well, good evening, everybody. Hi guys. Thanks for joining. <laughs>